Welcome to Hell Week. Welcome to the Nursery Podcast and welcome to Hell Week. This is our new series that JP and I put together for rising interns and actually for anybody who's interested in our training programs. This is a consolidated series to try to get you ready, all the things you need to know in order to be a training neurosurgeon. Hi everybody, JP here. The usual disclaimers. The information in this podcast does not constitute medical advice. The opinions expressed are our own and don't reflect those of any institution or professional organization. But perhaps most importantly, we're going to loosen up a little for this series. So expect some constructive advice, some controversial stories, but most importantly, get ready to learn. Now, let's get started. Welcome to the Neurosurgery Podcast with another installment in our Hell Week series, Getting Rising Interns Ready for Their First Day on the Job This Year in 2020. Uh, today's topic is very important, and so that's why we're releasing it early in the series, because it's going to be an early part of your first day on the job. We're talking about rounds, rounding in the morning, rounding throughout the day, um, how to get to know your patients and get appraised on what's going on with them each day um, before your chiefs arrive, before the attendings arrive, how to quickly and efficiently assess them, gather all your information, organize it, and present it to your team. Great, JP. It's a great topic. And I know that most of our listeners for this uh, series are going to be students and trainees, but I think even for the experienced surgeon, this might be a good refresher. So take us a little bit through what happens at Rush. So rounds, we, we all know there's a concept of rounding and tell us what that really means structurally in the course of your day and, and what the purposes are and, and how that happens. So the way it is here at Rush, and obviously this will vary between institution, but our day really is structured around formal rounds, uh, which begin in the morning and then an evening sign out at the end of the day as well. Um, just by convention, I don't know who started it, but we call our rounds flip here. We, we talk about flipping, flipping the list. Um, you know, it's a spine heavy program, so maybe that's where it came from, flipping the patient. But uh, we start early in the morning. And as the intern, I'm sure this will be true wherever you go, you're expected to come in and pre-round before the full formal team rounds. What does that mean? That means for all the patients on the list uh, for whom you're responsible, however it's divvied up, you come in, you know everything that's happened to them overnight, you go through their charts, any imaging or test results you're familiar with and you've reviewed personally, don't just read the reports, look at the images. And uh, generally, you've gone around and you've seen all the patients. You've examined them. You've talked to them. You've asked them how their night went. And you know if they have any specific questions for their attending today, for the team. Um, in general, you should know everything about that patient inside and out that's happened since evening sign out the day before and be ready to present that to your team in the morning. Yeah. So, JP, I think if I remember correctly, the lore is that Sir William Osler at uh, at Johns Hopkins, and he was, a, I believe he was an internist, not a surgeon. Uh, the way it was set up, I remember when I was a resident at County Hospital, six patients to a room. It's a ton of patients inside one room with no walls, so there's no privacy. And you would basically go from bed to bed to bed in sort of like a circular type of fashion. And so they would call it rounds because you were going in a circular relationship. And I think it's an important concept. Maybe, I don't know, maybe one day antiquated, but you're absolutely right. So the idea behind rounds is to collect information, 
from patients, nurses, the chart, the laboratory, and then present or digest or analyze that information to a team of folks who then make decisions, right? Um, so, so talk to us about how this starts. So, uh, you know, I, I tell people, well, neurosurgery rounds, you know, if you're an intern, you should be, uh, up at four, four, four thirty in the hospital by four thirty-five uh, in order to make rounds with the team later because you're pre-rounding, right? Exactly. And I'll tell you that wherever you end up, the, the start time for your day is going to, you know, be different depending on that institution. <laughs> so JP, just so it's clear for these guys who are not used to getting up at that hour, if if someone if if you're rounding like pre-rounding at six a.m., I think that's a gentleman's program. I, I don't know how it is at Rush. What is it at Rush? Um, our formal rounds begin at five fifteen in the morning, and that means you need to be ready at five fifteen. However long that takes you, and however many patients are on the list, it will change what time you have to be at the hospital. But you need to be in our workroom at five fifteen or before, ready to go. Uh, you know, we, we have a, a physical list that we maintain with numbers and everything as well. So you got to be ready to go at 515 and the size of the list and your own speed and efficiency in the morning, which is something we'll get into, dictates what time you need to be at work. So you're getting up at 330 in the morning. On some days. Yeah, four maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's well, see, it's important because I don't know that students get this, that and you're taking call too. This is not just you're taking call at night. So, so I remember uh, for our regular podcast listeners, the discussion about Steve Giannata saying resistance to fatigue mm. is the number one predictor of success. And that's why we love when we see marathon runners and, um, and folks like that. It's, it's, you know, so, so just remember, JP right now is having a round at, at least one hospital, 515 with the team. Right. And so the, the important point for that, I would say, is to learn efficiency. And this is something you always say, Dr. Wang, not fast, efficient, because if you're just trying to be fast, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to gloss over details. You're going to, again, read a report instead of look at the image. And that's where you start missing things. That's where you start uh, losing the depth of your understanding for a patient and their hospital course and what they need done that day. And so the more efficient you can become, the, the less time it will take you to get that thorough and full understanding of your patient ready for the morning. And so consequently, you can get a little more sleep. Yeah, JP, let's touch on that because I love that you bring that up. It brings so many things to mind about this issue. We had our last episode about honesty. And so I'm going to take it a little further for the millennials or Gen Zers or coronials or whatever you want to call yourselves. Maybe you're watching, right? Maybe you're watching Netflix about how to fix a drug scandal about this gal who basically was super efficient. She was just faking all the test results, right? right. And I'll turn back to uh, another Navy SEAL, Chris Kyle, the late Chris Kyle, American sniper who Bradley Cooper played in that great movie. I've got six copies of American Sniper on my uh, shelf right now. My wife says, why do you keep buying this book? And there's this great line in the movie and, uh, and he's getting ready to, to, to snipe an enemy. And he says, you know, uh, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. So it really infuriates me in our own program. Some of the reds are like, Dr. Wang, you know, you're just about being fast. So just be fast and you're good. No, it has nothing to do with being fast. Fast is the consequence right? Of efficiency. So the efficiency is the key. So like if you can be more efficient, then you can save what an extra 20 minutes of sleep time or something like that? Easily. And, yeah. and there are so many different facets to the process of rounding where a little bit of efficiency, even if it saves you a minute here or a minute there, all these different components add up and it really can get you an extra 20, 30 minutes in the morning. 
um, as you say. And so what are some of those facets? Um, the little tricks that nobody talks about, but you learn once you do these things, you know, day after day and when getting some sleep or getting ready on time depends on you being as efficient as possible without compromising the quality of your work. That's where you start to pick up these little tricks. So the more you can hold in your head, the less you have to stop to write down, the less you have to look down at a paper when you're talking to your chief or whoever you're rounding with, which makes you look better as well. And this isn't a skill that you just show up with, but as you do this longer and longer you and you get to know people who are on your service for some time, um, I found throughout the course of my intern year that in the very beginning, you know, I'm rounding, I'm nervous, I want to make a good impression because I'm the new guy on the team. Uh, I've never organized information in my head for so many people all at once. I'm writing down everything. I have these complex, arcane sets of symbols and, and checkboxes and graphs on a piece of paper that I'm frantically trying to find each patient for each room. And that's a phase that most of you will probably go through, however that expresses for you and your program and, and your practices. But by the end of the year, I had a list of what patient was in which room that I hardly even looked at. Just walk around with the chief and tell them what's going on with each person for the day. Smooth, exactly as you say, a smooth process. Hardly even slow down you know, your, your speed of walking. You just breeze through each patient. Um, the other major point that I would really stress for people, and it's going to be hard when you first start out, but trying to limit the amount of time that you're in each patient's room in the morning during your pre-rounds. Um, it's tough because you're a brand new doctor. You don't want to be rude to people. Uh, maybe you even enjoy interacting with some of them. They're nice people. It's Again, it's your first year of being an actual doctor and you, you feel you know the, the therapeutic bond with people and they have questions and you want to answer them. Um, they want to express their gratitude. You want to spend time in there. But if you have a really big list with lots of people on it and you have a deadline to be, you know, ready with your team for full rounds, then again, if you get lackadaisical, you spend more and more time in a, in a single patient's room, it's going to slow you down. It's going to take away time with other people. So you really need to be efficient getting in and out of the patient's room every morning. You need to think about what information do I need to get from them verbally? What physical exam do I need to do for them? in and out, efficient, boom, 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 one room after the other. Yeah, it's so hard, right? Because it's four in the morning. And so basically either people are like slow to wake up or they don't want you to bother them. So they're angry at you. But remember, you're coming back around at least two more times, once with your team and again with your attending. So you're going to see them again and again. So it's good. But you're right. You do get a form of good bond. And the really strong interns, we see it immediately because as an attending, you come see the patient. And, and they already know the intern well. Like they're like, oh yeah, Dr. So-and-so is so great. And that really gets you some street cred. But I want to go back to this issue you brought up because you know we recorded Sean Grady and hopefully you guys have listened to his episode about leadership. And I'm such a horrible leader because you start becoming a leader as a PGY one or two, right? You start that process. And I'll never forget, you know, Mike Wang's non-politically correct way of dealing with things I, I had this intern. Her name was Sahoda. She was one of these Indian girls. And there's a whole thing uh, with that. But anyway, she was like a, you know, one of those five, what is it, uh, six-year med people, right? And so she was very young. And I remember she couldn't even keep up with the walking from place to place. So we would walk across the hospital. I'm like, you're walking way too slow. We're going to get totally fucked. We're not going to get, remember, if you don't finish rounding, you don't get breakfast. You don't go to the OR. There are consequences downstream. And uh, and and she she got faster, right? Through the course of the month on neurosurgery. Then at the, and she was a prelim. 
she was a prelim, so she wasn't even categorically matched. And so at the end of the year, I saw her walking around with a, her arm in a cast. And I was like, holy shit, Sahoda, what happened to you? She goes, oh, it's all your fault. I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, I got running around so fast that I fell down the stairwell and I broke my arm. <laughs> I was like, wow, that is a shitty management style, Mike Wang. But she she ended up being a radiologist, which I think was kind of the right place for her. Um, so I think, yeah. how do you do it, right? Don't lie, right? Don't make stuff up um, and, and, and get the data, but you have to be efficient. And maybe that's why we encouraged you on the last, on, on the last podcast to go into the hospital now, or not, maybe not now with coronavirus, but before your first day of internship, figure out where stuff is, you know, you're going to round the first day. You don't even know where the ward is, what floor it is. Like, I mean, and people do that, right? JP, like they, like most of the other services, that's what happened. EMT, you show up first day. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Where do we go? I don't know. And you're late on the first day. Awesome. Great impression. Uh, I could not agree with you more. And, you know, I guess it's obvious, but it should be stated. One of the easiest ways to be more efficient in the hospital is to increase your physical speed. Because again, there is a finite, it, it may seem infinite, but there's a finite list of tasks that you have to accomplish before morning rounds. And as with anything in life, if you physically move faster, that's going to increase your efficiency. I did exactly what you're recommending, Dr. Wang. Um, I think we discussed in our match episode, the post-match episode, we gave some advice. I said, move out early if you can and get to know your neighborhood so you're not late to work and you, you know what your travel time will be. I did that and I did the same thing with the hospital. I live right near Rush and as soon as I could get access and get a guest badge or what have you, I went in and I walked around the hospital. I figured out the short routes, the hallways to take, and most importantly, um, hopefully you don't fall and break your arm, but where the stairs are, because you don't want to be standing around waiting for an elevator in the morning when you're on the clock. Yeah, so now the hate email will really start because another story from 1997 as a PGY2 at USC, there was a, another guy who was also prelim, Indian man now, and I, I'm not trying to pick on South Asians, but another six-year med kind of person. And he was uh, he was wealthy and he drove a Hummer, one of those big H1s, you know, that they're quite expensive and they consume a lot of gas and destroy the environment. But anyhow, he, he would show up late. And I do want to ask you about this issue of being late. And he showed up late and we were in East LA. And I said, what the fuck, dude? We round. I'm here before you. I'm your senior, right? And he goes, well, I live in Malibu. And the PCH was a little busy. I'm like, okay, you're fucking fired, man. Don't show up tomorrow. A letter's going to the chairman of general surgery because you're a prelim from me. And I'm a PGY too. So I'm going to write a letter, which is, that's really gutsy, right? But I was furious. I'm like, okay, fine. You want to live in Malibu? Get up at 2 a.m. then. You know, and we were rounding at six. It wasn't like I was asking this guy to be in the hospital at 5 a.m. or 4 a.m. So maybe I should have because then the traffic would be lighter, right? But but JP, tell us, it does happen, right? Sometimes you get like your, your battery on your car died. I don't know. Maybe maybe the, the subway system was shut down. You do have that possibility. What do you do? Now you're late. Right. Um, you know, it's never it happened. It's never happened to you, right? <laughs> no, it, it happened to me once. Um, and it, it it happens to many people. Um, be it traffic, be it um, alarms dying, it will it will happen. And I think what you do is you immediately notify your team so they can compensate, right? You know, j just because you're not going to be there doesn't mean the world stops and rounds are still going to happen when rounds happen. So if somebody needs to be ready to present those patients, you you notify your team immediately and then you haul ass to get in. Um, 
And I think that's all you really can do. I, I don't think you want to take more time from everyone's day and slow everyone down by falling over yourself apologizing. I think you just let the rest of your team know immediately so they know the situation. You, you get in there as quickly as humanly possible, and then you jump right in and pick up where, you know, with what you should be doing. And don't let it ever happen again, right? I mean, so it's... Absolutely. So one of the dark humor aspects is, is this is a fun thing. You're going to, everybody's going to encounter this once, I think. It's a fun thing because we make these lists on these little sheets of paper and you carry them around for the day. And, and it's, it's more efficient than, I used to use a Apple Newton, which is ridiculous, but that's many eons ago. So you make these lists and every now and then you're going to stumble across a list, meaning somebody left their list behind or they dropped it. <laughs> Have you seen this, JP? Yeah. That person's day just went to shit. And so <laughs> you you find these lists like, oh, my God, somebody left this list behind and it has all their duties, their scut, the scut list with the boxes to check. And, I, you know, this is a point because staying organized is just as important as being fast. Some people go to a ward, then they leave, then they have to go back to that same place again because they forgot something. So keeping your, your, your mind organized it, it, while you're tired, right? This is not an easy thing to do. And this is one of the ways we judge people. Right. And I, I think uh, organization is exactly the, the key word there. Um, forming concrete habits um, that you can trust. So when the day comes that you're fatigued, you've been up for however many hours, you know, you, you were in the OR, you were on overnight and your brain is fried. Like you said, you can't trust your conscious self to, you know, be making decisions and paying attention, all this stuff, but you can trust your habits. And if you form proper habits, then when you're on that zombie brain autopilot, you can trust that you're still going to execute and do the things you need to do. Um, it's funny that you mentioned losing a list in particular, because one of the, the things that I think is a, a common joke in America is that when men get up from a table or, or walk out of a restaurant, we do the man pat. You, you check all your pockets. Here's my phone. Here's my keys. Here's my wallet because we all tend to keep things in the same pockets all the time. So you just do your, your quick pat down, you know you have all your stuff, you're clear to go. Um, similarly, I would say your pen, your pen light, your list, whatever your standard equipment or armamentarium is as the intern, keep it in the same place, in the same pockets. What, you know, If you wear a jacket, if you're just in scrubs, whatever, always keep it in the same place. I know my list is always in my back pocket in the pants. So every time I walk out of any room at Rush, I get a little pat on the ass for myself. I hear that paper smack and I know that I'm set. JP, that is so correct. I mean, these are stupid little things people think like, you know, wallet in the left back pocket, phone in the right back pocket, et cetera, et cetera, keys in the front. People who are forgetting their keys, let me tell you. So I'm just going to say this because I imagine there's some younger people who maybe I'm going to call, can I call them hippies? I'm going to call them hippies because they're no hippies anymore, right? Young right. people don't consider themselves hippies, but I'm going to call them hippies because that's even before my generation. People who think the world is a certain way and they're just haven't realized yet what it's really like, or maybe they're so wealthy, they're protected. So this may sound like a gambit, like, oh yeah, you attendings and senior neurosurgeons just want all this slave labor with these residents and you're, you're just making us work harder and, and do these extra hours and all that. So you don't have to work harder. So let me just put it in perspective. So rounding is a metaphor, if you will, for other things. So let's say you're not good at rounding. Let's say you're not good at remembering and collecting data. Let's say you tend to leave your list behind and lose it. What do you think happens when you go to the operating room? Exactly. You ever, right? You ever hear about sponges being left in bodies? Why do you think that happens? 
You think it's because the process isn't right? No, because the processes are there. It's because the person is disorganized or whatever, right? And, or unable to handle fatigue. And so we watch you. And I said, we judge you. We judge you because we have to be able to trust you. We have to trust that, yeah, you can, you can see 30 people a day and you can tell me something about them or 120 at the BNI. Picture rounding on 120 people and remembering their names, not let alone their medical information, right? So think about what that means and think about going to surgery. Like it's shocking to me how, how people just say, well, just, you know, cut the corners and it doesn't matter because everybody's going to be okay. They're not going to be okay, right? So I, I think, you know, JP, maybe I'm being a little too hard on people, but I think that if you don't have these skills, learn them now. And I'll uh, go ahead. I'm going to, uh, JP, make a comment. I'm going to tell a little story and I don't want to get myself in trouble, but I'm going to tell this story because it's important. Well, I, I just want to echo exactly what you said from the perspective of someone who's in it right now. Um, you know, at Rush, the intern is responsible for making the, you know, physical list in the morning part of it. You're writing down numbers on people, you're writing down labs and part, part of that, you know, you could write down drain outputs. You can write down what meds people are on. And anytime you miss something, the immediate comment is, well, for one thing, we always say, treat this list like it's one of your patients, right? So you respect the list because it's going to dictate our whole day, as you said, and we're going to take what's written there as gospel. But the other exercise in list making, as you said, is that it demonstrates your attention to detail. It demonstrates your ability to organize information and not miss things. And I think that absolutely does translate to trust within the operating room. Um, if you can't you know, go through charts and accurately transcribe some numbers onto a piece of paper, why would someone trust you to operate on a living human's brain, right? Like it's a, it's such a low level task that if you can't even do that with organization and precision when you're fatigued, why would they hand you a scalpel when you're fatigued, right? Right. And, and you know, your point about having uh, processes in place for the simple stuff, right? So in other words, the higher executive functions, you've got to think about individually, but you've got basic processes for the basic stuff that you do all the time. So I heard a little story, and I'm not going to name any institutions or names or whatnot, about a situation where there was a patient taken to the operating room, and they did their surgery. And basically, they executed the operation without prepping the patient. Now, Jeez. yeah. Now, these were, these were people that, uh, that obviously did not have processes in their mind. There's a, there's a million timeouts. You can put in 5 billion timeouts. If the surgeon doesn't care enough, is not organized enough, anything can happen, right? So this is a classic example. I mean, to be honest with you, that situation is so horrific, and I have personal knowledge of it, that I almost feel like those people shouldn't be neurosurgeons. And, and, you know, think about if that happens, like what other things, you know, we did a surgery last week where we discovered a cotinoid retained inside of a patient from a surgery from about five years ago. Wow. Patient didn't. Move. And I can tell you all the stories offline and I don't want to get people in trouble, but that is shocking. And I'm not saying that I would never have an accident like that, but, but, but there's, there are real consequences to not being able to round on people. And and so let's let's go back to that, JP. So so you round in the morning. You so you pre round. Then there's the team rounds, right? Right. Um, well, one thing I want to say there before we move back to the team rounds is that obviously in any activity that you're doing professionally or in your everyday life, you're, there's going to be some element of autopilot. 
And in fact, in, in many situations, that's a good thing. You get into that flow state that uh, psychologists talk about for performing a task, be it in sports, be it in surgery, we're all going to be in some element of autopilot. And that's why I think it's important, as I said before, to train your autopilot and really condition yourself to have organized, appropriate behavior outputs so that when you're not thinking, be it because you're tired or because you're prepping someone for surgery, which you've done a thousand times and it's not the part of the operation you're focusing on, it should be physically impossible for you to make certain mistakes. And that could be anything from forgetting to write a drain on a list to prepping a patient, to walking past somebody's room. Um, you should be able to condition yourself to a point where I guess it's almost physically impossible for you to make certain mistakes or to exhibit certain behaviors. Yeah, I would agree with that, 100%. Yeah, so with that said, getting back to the, the process of rounds for the day. So now you know, you've come to the hospital whenever you need to, you've pre-rounded, you know everything about everybody on your list. Now you get into the situation where you have to communicate that and you have to interact with the rest of your team. Um, again, as you know, we always say, it's going to be different in different institutions. The way it is at Rush, and I think this is fairly common, at least in general, you have some form of table rounds, usually with a computer screen so you can go through imaging. You go through imaging rounds for anything that was obtained overnight or is you know, relevant for the outpatient cases for the day. Um, and you go through your list one by one. You look through the images. It's a great opportunity for the seniors to teach or pimp, as it may be, uh, the juniors about the imaging findings, about what plan you might suggest for the given patient. And in general, that's going to be where you get the bulk of your plans for the day because the chiefs are going to be the ones who say, this has to happen for this patient. I want you to obtain this for that patient. And typically, there's going to be very little change to those plans because it's either something that they've already discussed with the attending for someone who's been in the hospital for a while, or the chiefs have been doing it for seven years. They know their attendings. They have a good sense of what the final attending approved plan will be for the day. So that's an important time to write everything down because that's where you're given your marching orders for that day in the hospital. Yeah. So again, there's the pre-rounds, there's the rounds with a the team. Then oftentimes the attendings will either want to round with you virtually, like on the phone or text, or even in, I like to round in person and see my patients usually with the intern or junior resident. And then how about a, how about a later rounds in a day? How about an afternoon check before you go home? Do you do that? Um, I do. And it's, it's, again, this is different. Even here in my residency, it's different between um, Rush and County Hospital, Cook County. So at Rush, we have a formal full team evening sign out where we don't walk around, but we sit down, we look at new images from the day, and we talk through every patient, what happened that day, and what the overnight plan is for the guy who's staying in-house overnight. We have one resident in-house overnight at the Rush Hospital. Um, at Cook County, we tend not to have a formal evening sign out because it's a smaller service, um, but when I'm on call at, at the county hospital overnight, I will personally, I'm constantly obviously checking all the charts, but I'll personally make a physical round of every patient on my list at least once, if not more than once, depending on how you know critical a given patient is. And I think that's important to uh, reiterate for the person who's on overnight, here's what happened to each person during the day, here are the things to be on the lookout for, here's what I'm going to be expected to tell my chief in the morning, this happened, this didn't. Here's the answer from that other service, et cetera. 
Excellent. Excellent. Well, listen, this has been fantastic, JP. I hope this helps some of our young uh, trainees and, and but, uh, you know, budding neurosurgeons, I think that uh, please tune in for the additional Corona, uh, I'm sorry, the additional Hell Week episodes, uh, because we've got so much to, to talk about. And please also feel free to email us at uh, neurosurgerypodcast at gmail.com.